As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday on The Athletic Podcast Network. And it's another edition of Hoops Adjacent on The Athletic MBA Show. David Aldrich here. It's hot as hell in D.C., humid, going to rain later. Cicadas are driving me nuts. Y'all don't have cicadas out west. Hold on. You're telling me even y'all sunny days are trash? Dude, it's awful. In the summertime. It's just, they're great in the fall, but in the summertime, it's awful. It's humid and nasty and shit. Plus, we got cicadas just hovering over us like like a UFO. Just making noise and just literally dropping out of the sky on your head. That's what they do. They just come What's a flying cicada? out of the sky. It's like a big insect. And every 17 years, they, they literally come out of the ground every 17 years. And for like two months, they just start procreating like crazy. And that's all they do for, for eight weeks is go into trees and procreate with each other and die. <laughs> Hold that's on, is that like the games we watch where like they're flying all over the baseball field? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jobber so, Chamberlain had no, all of his face. It's a midge. It's a midge. It's a midge. Cicadas are loud is what cicadas I remember. Cicadas are beautiful. Loud beautiful hell. insect. I, I was no, in. Shit. I want to crush them every, every one of them that I see. <laughs> yeah, I was in Japan and I'd never heard anything like it in my life where you can't even, you can't hear people it's so loud no. it's deafening um it's like a it's like a ufo hovers woo, just worrying hovering over you for all day you can hear it when you're inside you can hear it that's how loud they are it's crazy i feel like will smith in men in uh, men in black when he starts killing all the cockroaches at the end <laughs> is that your auntie that's what, <laughs> that's, what <I> like. <laughs> that's what i feel like it's terrible here but out on the West Coast, the best coast, my man, Marcus Thompson, and our guest this week, Ethan Strauss. Gentlemen, welcome back. The only cicadas we have are at Mexican restaurants, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I was scrapping for a joke as well. You cicadas sound like a Mexican. They're like, hold on, I, I want a cicada. Where I got a bat? <laughs> or a species in Star Trek. Uh, yeah, you could go a lot of directions with it, but that was the right, that I mean, was the that right way. That sounds like a Mexican dish. When, it, when I saw it, I well, like, oh, cicada. Cicadas. And I was like, hey, you know what? That sounds like... What people is eat cicadas. They do eat cicadas. I've seen, I, Hold on. People actually eat them? Oh, yeah. People it's eat bugs, thing. man. It's a thing. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't. Not on a dare, but I'd squash them. That's what I do. Yeah. Step on them and just uh, get it get, get it to it. Feel it good. So. People like grasshoppers and crickets. You know what's good? 
I mean, I'm not really into that stuff, but but ant eggs, ant eggs are actually ant good. Eggs? So ant you're eggs. Not, it's a grasshoppers and cicadas, no. but ant That's eggs. But ant eggs. You guys so say weird. ant eggs roll. You guys that say it, weird. I was in it's Mexico City. And it's a delicacy around the springtime if you're ever around. First off, like that's hella eggs, right? (laughs) Like like one ant egg, can you eat just one? Do you know you ate one? Yeah, once you pop, you can't stop, you know? How small is an ant egg? Maybe we all eat ant eggs. No, they they look like little pearls of rice almost. They're they're that they're they're about that size. And if you're in southern Mexico around the springtime, you can get them at a bunch of different places. And everybody, I was at a table of people from from the from the United States. And we were there for a wedding, and everybody had the same reaction, which is, "This is surprisingly good. This is surprisingly good. I had no idea this would be good." So that's just a little tip. The others. Yeah, you can have them. I don't need them. I don't want to eat a bug. But ant eggs, for whatever reason, uh, the caviar of the desert. I'm coining that right now. And maybe you can do a segue to the Phoenix Suns if you need to. I'm a pass on it. I'm a pass on the <laughs> ant eggs because the one time, well, now I've been to Mexico twice. The second time I went, it didn't end well for the kid. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I remember imagine. it vividly. I, uh, because it was when Princess Diana died, and I know that because I spent four days in bed watching CNN <laughs> during my vacation to Mexico City, and that's all I'm gonna say on that. Blowing out many candles <laughs> in the wind of the restroom, too. It was just not good. Actually, it wasn't Mexico City. Let me be. Let me be accurate about that. It was Cancun. Ah, it was in Cancun. Ah, and it it still wasn't no, it sounded good. Sounded like kid. Tijuana to me. <laughs> <laughs> I like. We went to Chichen Itza. It was great. It was great until till we went to that restaurant. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I am curious about the quesadillas instead of the cicadas, buddy. <laughs> I, I am curious about that sometimes. Why people really gravitate to certain places? Draymond loves going. Draymond loves was it Cabo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's on the West Coast. That's yeah. on the West Coast though. But, but I just, Cabo. I've never asked him about it, but I've always been curious. It's of all the places, you're an NBA player, you can go anywhere, right? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that's a nice place to go to, but I'm always so curious why when you can go anywhere that and mm-hmm. maybe maybe we ask them at some point because it's always it's just always interesting to me why people find their spot. Where does it, does it or in the off season, does he go back Back to Michigan, or does he stay out in the Bay? Nah, he stay in the Bay. Well, He'll then that, that, it's visit, all, that explains yeah. it. It's it's close. That's why he goes because it's close. You know, that's why all the East Coast guys go to the Caribbean. Also, also, you get the one spot that you know and you trust. Yeah, it's right. Not right, an, right it's right. not an experiment. It's like and I they know take care and of I'm you. going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Draymond's about the convenience. I remember I once got on a Southwest a Southwest flight to uh, Burbank. That, that famous Oakland to Burbank that everybody loves to take. And then I was shocked <laughs> to see Draymond in the line. And I was just, wait, you got, what? You, you, you do this too? You get on a Southwest flight? Like this, this is how you live as well? But yeah, if it's close, I guess he's, he's with it, even, even if he is six foot five. But yeah, that's, that's just always interesting to me is the, the why that when you can go anywhere, I think it might say something about someone's personality or what they like in vacation. Uh, I know for the uh, for for Lake Up, it's Montana. Uh, like a lot of billionaires, like Montana. Oh sure, that's their yeah, thing yeah. for whatever In reason. Idaho. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're into that. So always curious. Yeah, where that do stuff. you go? What's your spot? We go to Rehoboth in Delaware. <laughs> that's, where, that's where we would go if it wasn't sold out. It's 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 crazy. People have bought it up. All of this, eight weeks out from where we want to go, I can't find anything. 
anywhere in Rehoboth that's worth going to because, you know, people have been buying it up or, or, you know, renting out for the whole summer, basically. So these are, everybody in D.C. goes to Rehoboth or Lewis or Bethany Beach in Delaware. That's where most people go or they go to the Jersey Shore. I wouldn't, I don't go to the Jersey Shore. I just don't like. Is that is that like the mid Atlantic version of Martha's Vineyard? Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's less. It's it's way cheaper than Martha's Vineyard, which I've also been to once. Um, but it's it, which is and it's great. Don't get me wrong, Martha's Vineyard is terrific, but it is hella expensive. It yeah. is not. Now that's where the rich people go in the summertime who live in D.C., like your Congress people and your lobbyists and senators and shit. I, I went once. <laughs> I probably won't be going back. Yeah. Um, it was really nice, but you just, I just can't do that every summer. Um, I, I remember crazy. trying to keep pace in a rich guy conversation that I was not qualified to keep pace in when I was in a meeting with Maverick Carter where this came <clears> up because – I think I'd been in Napa the weekend before. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's saying some stuff about Napa. And I go, yeah, man, this seems like every single major city has their little uh, at a remove spot to go to, yeah. the little vacation spot. And so I brought up one and then he brought up the other and then I brought up one and then he just had more than I had. You know, I had a few. <laughs> I had the Hamptons in my back pocket. I have Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> and then I ran out. Now you had he, what you saw on TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I had what I saw on TV. He had where he'd actually been and he just kept throwing more at me and I just couldn't keep pace with him. Yeah. No, no. Remember, remember, we're adjacent to their world. We're not in their world. Yeah, on the periphery. <laughs> We can look over at their world, but that doesn't mean we're in their world. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Um, which is a good segue, actually, to, you know, this first uh, round of the playoffs now being over. Um, and as we tape this, our boy KD has, has just, it's just stunning to me. Like, I know he's a professional <laughs> athlete. I get it. I get it. I get this is what he does for a living, but damn. He's the only I guy mean, he wins and gets angrier. <laughs> dude just, well... There is that, but I'm talking about on the court. I'm talking about just yeah. coming back at 32 after insane. you missed a year with an Achilles, and you just like you just MVP level again. That just you just get back to that. That just fascinates me. How and I know he's got certain advantages, but still, there's been a lot of guys, a lot of guards, a lot of people that weren't big guys that blew out their Achilles, and they were never the same afterwards. Mm. It, and he's just back. It's ridiculous. And it's enough. I don't want to be too prisoner of the moment, but I sometimes watch him and I wonder if this is the best basketball player I've ever seen. I'm not saying that it's definitive. And at a certain point, they're all so great that it's it, it just gets very subjective and, and who cares. But in a playoff setting, man, you just can't do anything about him. You, you really no. can't. He's so good at the shots you want players to take. That's the thing. He's so good at the shot that you want players to take and he can make it really out of rhythm and he's unblockable and yeah. it just breaks any sort of run that you're trying to mount. And I think in a way, maybe as we were monitoring all the various KD drama and everything else that was going on in Golden State, there might have been this weird subplot of him getting so good at basketball that he was just getting almost bored with it. <laughs> 
<laughs> it does have that sense when you watch him there right now. And he'll he'll have his off shooting nights, I'm sure, and games where it won't go so great. But no, he won't. Some, maybe not. Some, sometimes it sometimes it feels like he beat the video game. That's what it feels like sometimes. He's a cheat code. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's what's so insane is not just like the production. It's how easy it looks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it literally looks easy. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, and you know, part of it is, you know, Kyrie's a monster and that team is clicking. So you can't really just throw it all at KD. Right. And you kind of need to because he's just, he's that good. But man, like, it, it's unbelievable how if you just play regular D on him, you're toast. Yeah. If you, you just no do shot. the half hearted you no hand up, you're yeah. done. He's going to make it. It's yeah. a bucket. It doesn't matter. Like it's it's unbelievable. Drew Holiday is a great defender, and I remember Drew Holiday used to be able to give yeah. him an issue, give, make it work. Man, what? he made Drew Holiday we look just like dude, he made Giannis this. look silly, dude. Yeah. I mean, we, he, yeah, it, it's crazy. We just talked about this with Marcus Johnson last week on this show, and Marcus Marcus Johnson was telling me Marcus Thompson, Marcus Johnson was telling us that. About the same. The, the advanced, same yeah, exactly. Abilities. The advanced stat said how great a defender PJ Tucker was. Remember that Marcus against against KD. Yes. Like PJ Tucker could get into KD, get it under him, true. he could annoy him, and it was true, right? Yeah. And it's just he's just obliterated. Yeah. Remember, remember, games. Ethan in the post game after the game, he was when they won that series. He's talking about like PJ is like man that forearm, right? So <laughs> strong. He's like couldn't yeah. do nothing with it. Yeah. And now it's like. He, this dude literally has like, you know, he was unplugged from the Matrix. Yeah, like, yeah. he discovered himself, and it's crazy. Like now, it's all easy. He's he's, he's a Neo pro. with one hand taking on the agent. Like, all right, he's <laughs> he's a basketball <laughs> genius, man. He, he's crazy. A, he's a prodigy, and uh, it is, man. I, but the thing that's interesting is that Giannis. I thought did the best job of anybody I'd ever seen on him regular season wise in those few meetings. And it's small sample size because it wasn't like Giannis was guarding him possession after possession, but he yeah. made him look bad. Yeah. I mean, the crossover pull up, the one, you know, that's one dribble pull up that he does. He, and it's he just, didn't even need to cross him over on that one. Oh, he had already yeah. beaten him. He just it's did it to do it. It looked like and, <laughs> the defensive player of the year that you're just clowning out there. <laughs> oh my God. It's crazy. At the same you time, can't let him get it off. You just the, can't let him get it off. At the same time, it does seem like Giannis, it's good he signed that deal just because I feel like we would almost be asking questions if he's checked out. Like that was a weird oh, performance. Yeah. That was well, very disengaged. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean that, yes, I think I, I, part of that is just when you get rained on, like they got rained on in the first half again, yeah. like you spent a day watching film. We're going to do this. Here's how All we're right, going to we take this away. Now. Yeah. We yeah we're ready now. And they come out and they slap you around worse. <laughs> like, yeah. And not you know even I mean? really like KD and Kyrie. Like, it's Blake Griffin owning you. Right. Blake you know Griffin just dunking like, on your head. It's yeah. Mike James. Like, <laughs> we don't even know. This is like the third iteration of Mike James. Right. This right? Is, like, like, I had to actually think when they signed this guy, I was like, wait a minute. That's not, well, that's this not can't old Mike James. It can't be Mike James, right? It can't be Mike nah, Who is this? Who Mike is James this? about 46 years it's old now. It's a whole new Mike James out here. Like, they get beat by – it's unbelievable. Like, everybody who steps on the floor. Right. Everybody who steps on the floor is cooking them. 
is, is killing him. Now that won't happen in, in Milwaukee. We I get that. And, I'm and calling you're... this the DA jinx. No, DA, you no, ain't get that. Me. I'm calling it this me. the David Aldridge effect. I loud talked to him, Ethan. I said, oh, I said they're built to beat this Brooklyn. Is the they're team. built to Here beat him. Well, you got <laughs> was listening to you. Like, oh, DA, okay. I got you, DA. Hide behind a Vincenzo. You know, if it wasn't for that right, injury, right. if it wasn't for him. Right. That, the whole series would be different. Yeah, we're talking about they're very top heavy, the Bucks are. They don't have a lot of depth, and you might not right. think that. That Mr. DiVincenzo is anything special, but he's the Jenga piece. You pull out that Jenga piece, the tower collapses. You didn't know that. Man, I, I can't hide behind that. I, I got to, when I'm loud wrong, I got to admit it. So far, I am loud wrong about Milwaukee. I thought there would be, I thought this was going to be epic. And I mean, so far, it has not been. Maybe go down with the ship, man. Maybe say, hey, don't I have get, to now. Don't, don't in, get caught so, in the moment. Okay. So Brooklyn. hopefully they, They'll re- they'll win game three, I think, and then the series will be game four. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. You, you, although it look it looks bad. They can't play much worse. I mean, no, geez. and they'll play better at home. Everybody I just don't get what's going because I, I need to rewatch it again. But it seems like Blake Griffin should not be having that easy a time guarding Giannis. Um, no, and credit <laughs> no. to him. Credit to him, and he has strength, they and he's still got, got Giannis bringing the ball up like he's some kind well, of well, like, and they still got guard, and. Like, and I mean, I get it, Giannis. You want to show everybody you've worked on your three, and uh, dude, stop shooting this. You got to swallow that, man. (laughs) Yeah, and and um, the dribbling out the clock at the top of the key. Yeah, like they've got a lead that they're sitting on. Like he's Chris Paul. Like what? (laughs) So here's the odd part. Like on defense, they've got Brooke Lopez out there, right? And this is you know, Da. What you? What have you been saying the whole time? Like. He is Give huge. him the ball and the paint. <laughs> so it was like it worked first part of the game one, and yeah. they haven't gone back to a since. So no, here he, he is spotting back. up outside on the three three line. But then on defense, he refuses to get above the three point line. <laughs> on defense, right. he's dropping back like you can't <laughs> drop. On well, cake. that's that's their coverage that they play. They've played that coverage since Bud's been there. You can't know. do it. You just can't I know. Do it. The I know. Good. Kyrie KD will eat you alive. Yeah. You know, otherwise. Yeah. So the only reason he's on the court, he should be on the court. They're not even using it. It is it is crazy. Court. It is crazy how Brooklyn is just like like systematically hunting the mismatch wherever it is and then just just killing them every time they get the Without mismatch. Without James Harden. Without Harden. That's <laughs> <It's> crazy. <Yeah. laughs> it's just, although I actually do think and I I'll you're not be able to prove this. I actually think it's not that it's a benefit. I'm just saying KD and Kyrie certainly, I think, have more room to operate without Harden out there than they would if he were there. And yeah. that doesn't mean they're a, they'd be a, they're a better team without him. I'm not saying that. Obviously, they're no, not. I, I think you'll see it in game three. Like, the, the difference is when those two sit out, I mean, they're still getting cooked by, like, Mike James and them. Right, right, but on the road I knew in Mike Milwaukee, James. yeah, right, <laughs> knew Mike James. Yeah. But on the road in Milwaukee, like that's the time where it's like, all right, Harden, this is your show. Yeah, so we'll see if the second unit, like if Landry Shamit makes everything he throws. Landry up, was right? flexing too oh, after he dropped them threes, and I wonder you like dunking on dudes in game one, missing game two is like unbelievable. So I, I, yeah, I do. I think you're right. I think the time you'll really see. Harden's absence. If Milwaukee decides to show up, right. it'll be with KD and Kyrie sit. And now it's like you got these dudes on the road against right, a desperate right, right, Milwaukee. Right. That's that's their hope right there. If they can't if they can't outplay them dudes then, then blow the whole thing up. 
which exactly. is what Ethan wanted to do anyway. <laughs> I don't okay, know. so let's. Uh, I want to get into that, and then I want to get into ratings because we've been we're now twenty minutes into this taping, and we haven't mentioned any of the other three series. We talked about Annex. That was top and, of the mind of the listener, and there was a reason. There may be a reason for that, but here's the thing. This is what this is what annoys. I shouldn't say annoys me. It just. I think there's a bit of hypocrisy here amongst some of NBA Twitter mm. because what's everybody talking about now? They got a fire bud. The Mavericks, the Mavericks should be looking to fire <laughs> Carlisle. They need to trade Kristaps. I thought rings culture was a bad thing. And now all of a sudden, that's all y'all talking about. They fired Terry Stotts. Damon's, Damian Lillard's got to demand a trade. I thought y'all didn't care Damian about Lillard rings. better. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You got to trade CJ McCollum. Wait a minute. You said rings culture was an anachronism with old idiots like me that always talked about Michael Jordan winning six titles. We're out of date because it's not about the ring. It's about the journey. It's about the, it's about playing with joy and all that nonsense. I, what? Make up your minds. What's it about, y'all? Well, first of all, rings culture is good. That doesn't mean it's smart. Of course it's good. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's smart. It doesn't mean that there's nuance. But we can't have the nuance because then the drama is sucked out of the games. We need an unfair scenario. That's what we need. <laughs> we need a scenario where the winner is going to be showered in glories and the loser is going to be unfairly mocked and humiliated. That makes it a high-stakes event. It's not fair, but you can't have this baseball culture of, oh, this pitcher lost a bunch of games, but look at his ERA, therefore, therefore. That's just not what it is. That's not good for the NBA product. I'm not saying that we go crazy with it, but it's not the worst Otherwise, thing in the world. everybody's Mike Trout, huh? <laughs> yeah. Never wins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Never hears yeah. any criticism. Yeah, right. we can't, we can't <laughs> right, have right. it. We can't have it. That's not good. That doesn't make for a playoffs that's exciting. Uh, we can't have a situation where the end of most playoff series are both teams played hard, both teams played hard, and I have no opinion about anybody at the end of this whole thing. So that's that's the thing. I think sometimes that the collective, the NBA intelligentsia tries to almost outsmart itself, and sometimes it's good to just say, hey, we're going to celebrate the winner, uh, consequences to the loser, and then we calm down a week later and go, I don't know if I really meant it that that coach should get fired, right? That was very in the moment. I think that's more or less how it needs to be. And every team should be trying to win a championship. That's the other thing. I think they should all be trying to win a championship. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, well, uh, I'm going to disagree with you, but go ahead. Finish your point. Okay. Okay. I Look, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that the Blazers settled for being a pretty good team and not taking the risk. Uh, of mm -hmm. breaking up that duo, that backcourt that's probably too small to win a championship. Uh, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but I think optimally you would have wanted them to take that shot and try to win a championship. And that's just how I see it. Some people might disagree, but that's how I see it. And so they mm -hmm. should all feel, they should feel that pressure. They should feel that heat. Everybody should be trying to win the ultimate goal. And I don't, that's, that's, that's the NBA I want. That's what I want to see anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Go ahead, Marcus. 
I, I, the integrity for me of it all is trying to win a championship. Mm-hmm. Understanding everybody want won't, but the moment I, you end up with the ace, <laughs> right? right? You end right. up with <laughs> you end up with the people who are like, "Yo, like let's do enough to keep this operation churning," right? And you know, for me, it limits the integrity of it all. Like I, you want to be able to see a team sometimes come out of nowhere and win a championship. It doesn't yeah. have to happen all the time, but every right. now and again, just to show you it's possible. Just give I me like a Pistons that. every once in a while. Every now and again, right? Like <laughs> Dallas has come through, right? Right, right. You want. Here's I why like I disagree good. with y'all, though, because it's not it's not possible. It's not possible for 30 teams to all try to win an NBA championship. Just not, because you never – because, number one – 75% of the owners in this league do not want to do what it takes to win a championship, which is go into the luxury tax for multiple years, pay a bunch of luxury tax, and then maybe have to do it again to keep that team together or to replace it, right? Like we saw it. The Miami Heat had a dynasty. They had a dynasty with, with LeBron James there. And all, they, and, and all LeBron James and Dwayne Wade said is, let's keep Mike Miller another year. And the owner said, no, <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing it. I'm not keeping Mike Miller because I'm going to have to pay so much luxury tax to keep him. It's ridiculous. It's not worth doing. And so even teams that win it all don't do it for very long. They just can't keep paying that luxury tax. That's why the Warriors, God bless Joe Lacob, for all of his foibles and flaws, <clears throat> that dude goes into the tax. He pays the tax. He just paid how much for Kelly Oubre this year? How much luxury tax did he pay for Kelly Oubre this year? Whatever it was, you know, I give him credit for that. But most owners aren't going to do that. Just aren't. Here's the problem. They won't admit it. I just want you to admit it. I want, no, not Paul Allen, but his sister now runs the Blazers. Just say, I don't really care if we win a championship. I just want to put a good team out there that makes the playoffs. And every once in a while, if we get hot enough, we can get to a conference final. And you know what? At least if you did that, then I can make a decision as a, as a person in Portland, if I'm willing to pay for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny when they fire Terry Stotts. I I mean, like maybe another coach could have coached that team better, but what was he really working with? Right. I mean, it's it almost seems like they become a scapegoat oftentimes. Sometimes it's the player, sometimes it's the coach. But there's this scapegoat who gets named and who gets fired. And it's really just a rearrangement of the deck chairs because they did not they did not put forth a roster that was capable of winning a championship. And it, it is it is funny, but that's a great point that. There is ownership that's just not willing to do what's required. And what's funny about it, as you note, is that nobody ever says that. I almost want that to happen. I almost want some some guy running a team to go, you know what? Hey, man, this is just a great investment. And I just watch it appreciate (laughs) in value. It appreciated by 10 times within 10 years. And that's good enough for me. And I hope you like uh, seeing some of these young draft picks uh, play play out there. It's 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 a lot of fun, but we really don't care. I really don't care. Yeah, and they can't. They'll never say it, but I wish they would because because it's so obvious that there are limits to even the good teams about what they're willing to spend to keep their team together. Um, There's very difference between trying to win a championship. And going all out to win a championship. Oh yeah. Is that oh, what we're talking about? Definitely. There are um, degrees. There are degrees. Yeah. I mean, and and it doesn't mean that if you go all out to win a championship that you're doing the right thing because you you can overspend on the wrong guys. I mean, that's that's part of 
of roster management. That's where a GM or a president of player personnel, whatever you want, has to come in and, and make good decisions in, in conjunction with ownership. Um, but I just, you know, I just don't think like if I'm a fan, I'm not picking on the Orlando Magic. I'm not. I'm just saying like if I'm a but if I'm a season ticker order of the Orlando Magic. Condolences, number one. I just spent one. the last three years like, of you telling me, hey, we're going to build this team around. I got a bridge around, to sell you. You know what I mean? Around <laughs> around Vucevic and around Aaron Gordon. And we're going to go and we, we hired a good coach and Steve Clifford. And we're going to go with this group. And then two years later, you go. Nah, we're going to start over. <laughs> we're just going to start over now. How can you sell to, how can you make the case to your fan base that you're actually trying to win a championship? That's what, I, I mean, you just can't. <laughs> well, you're not doing it this year, right? But it's like, yo, we're about to start this journey towards right. championship. Right, but then, and then the coach over. says, no, nah, I'm not doing, I'm not taking these L's again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not doing that. Well, you know, so. I don't know. The Suns are almost instructive that way. Draymond was saying people were uh, giving him some guff uh, because he said, get my man Devin Booker out of out of Phoenix a, a short right. while ago. And then Draymond was saying, you're coming at me for having said that. Now they're good, but you should be thanking me because look at the pressure we put on them and look that they, <laughs> they, they did the necessary moves. Uh, they yeah. did get a veteran that they needed to vault them into contention. And maybe that's a little bit convenient uh, from from his perspective, but there is something to that, that the Suns sure. all of a sudden actually took their young core as it was burgeoning and said, okay, now we add the veterans, now we combine them, we're going for it, and man, has it worked. It, it's worked Absolutely. really well. And that's not something that, that that organization has typically done for a long time. So I'm not saying that it's that easy, but you have to wonder if there are other scenarios where that kind of leap is possible and ownership just isn't willing to make that leap. Yeah, I think it's more often than not that they're not willing to make no that leap. No question. Way um, more often, right? Yeah, way more often, yeah. That because that's go. money. Like, that's exactly. literal literal exactly. overhead. Like, I mean, Chris Paul wasn't $10. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, that was a significant investment. Like, all right, let's 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 do this. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk. Let's let's segue off of that because I do want to talk about this this notion. You mentioned the, the Suns, and it's a great example, Ethan. Um, you know, that's the team. That's the number two seed in the West. You know, they won fifty games this year. They are an exciting team. They uh, they got a superstar, a young superstar, in Devin Booker. They got an old superstar in Chris Paul. They're well coached. And I wonder what the ratings are going to be <laughs> if they make the NBA finals. Yeah. I just wonder what the ratings will be if you're if you got Phoenix in Brooklyn or Phoenix in Philly, let's say, in the NBA finals, what those numbers are going to be like. Uh probably not great. And to my mind, as I was trying to point out, it's that's a situation that should be mitigated because people react. Um when the Lakers lose. It's mm -hmm. a bunch of people, especially within the NBA media sphere, saying, oh, my God, the numbers are going to be terrible. And then right. there's this counter reaction of nobody should care. I got news for you. The NBA is a TV show and uh, tens of millions to hundreds ratings of millions are on the matter line. on TV, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Right. People they're get not fired. On, not just on radio. <laughs> people, people get fired like when the NBA doesn't bring home the bacon. ESPN's had hundreds of layoffs uh, with the NBA right. not doing as well as they might have thought. I might know a little thing or two about that. Uh, but so mm -hmm. th this does – 
this does matter. It has downstream effects. I believe that the play-in tournament was incorporated, A, as a stopgap measure during the pandemic season, and B, because the regular season interest was waning. So it all matters, but it should be mitigated. My contention is that the Lakers losing isn't the problem. The problem is that it's a problem. That's Mm -hmm. the issue. They need to figure out a way for it not to have this wide discrepancy, and it's a very NBA issue. Any sport you see, you're going to see certain teams and certain markets have a resonance beyond others. But in the NFL, you're talking maybe a 10% swing. In the NBA, I just looked at these new numbers today. I think uh, John Orand of Sports Business Journal said what the uh, Hawk Sixers game one was ratings wise. It's 3.388 million on ABC. Um, The Warriors... Rockets game one on ABC in 2019. I just remember this. Uh, I believe was 7.26 million. So in the mm-hmm. NBA, it's this strange situation where one matchup will give you literally more than twice the audience of a different right. kind of matchup. And right. in that, you just that that's a crazy scenario. And it I feel could, I feel like a, a duty, a compelling duty to combat ratings information with an excuse. So I'm going to give it <laughs> Everybody to you. Does. It was too early. Yeah, it was <laughs> too <laughs> early. Let me, let me tell you they something. Could, <laughs> they could have put that on later in the day and it wasn't <laughs> sniffing Warriors Rockets. It was know? too early. <laughs> nah, but the, the Clippers later that had the 5.4. Yeah. For 5.5 million? Yeah. yeah, for a game seven, which Warriors Rockets game seven on ABC would be. It was like, probably, yeah. It would, that would but. be over 10 million if it was on network TV, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Warriors Rockets in the. Especially con- that game seven. Oh, man. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Right. Right. I think I think that might have been on cable, Warriors Rockets that game was, seven in 2018. Because yeah, your host may have covered that for TNT. Yeah, yeah. Well, so memorable, I guess. Yeah, I think. I mean, that was a conference <laughs> finals, too. There are all sorts of push pull factors, but the basic. What I'm saying is basically true, that there is a range in the NBA where one matchup can be twice the audience of another matchup, and there are a bunch of issues with that. One is that the fans in the small markets start to get a little paranoid because they're aware of the chatter. They're aware of the talk. You've got Ralph Nader sending letters to the NBA when the Kings lose to the Lakers, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, this stuff, it has a distorting effect. And so I think that it's incumbent on the NBA to find a better way to market these other markets. And Phoenix isn't a small market, by the way. You know, it's a fairly yeah. sizable Atlanta's city. Atlanta's not a small market. Atlanta's the biggest city in the South. And yeah. so they just need to find a way. And to me, a lot of it is is branding. I think that the media has a role to play. Uh, we understand things through narrative. We understand it through story. People reacted to the bubble ratings being way down, like cartoonishly down. You could say it's self-serving, but I think part of that was just having no media around to tell you stories about the players and interesting tidbits. That's how people come to this. So I think, and I know it sounds goofy, sometimes it's as simple as a nickname. Sometimes you need to give a nickname to certain teams just to frame it for people, to tell (laughs) them this is why you should be interested. You know, What's the deal with this Grizzlies team? a uh, half decade ago well they really do lunch pail hard work their grit and grind you know that's what their deal is what's the deal with this thunder team well they've got these young guys and they're sort of building it up by scratch we call it thunder university oh, okay you know what's the deal with this warriors team 
oh, it's the Splash Brothers. It's this all-out aerial assault from two guys. We really haven't seen oh, anything sorry. like it before. The branding was strength in numbers, sir. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> Get it right. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you know, which one has had more That's resonance? That's the one, right? That's the one. Strength in numbers. <laughs> which one has had more resonance over the years? I think, I think it's the Splash Bros. So I think a lot of that comes up organically, but then you have to be enterprising and you've got to message it if you're ABC, if you're ESPN, if you're Turner. And so they've got to find a way to package it, you know, tell us. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You wrote you wrote a column in the Athletic, and it's a it's a good read. It's a very good read about this topic, and you mentioned some of these things that you're talking about now. And I, I agree with you know about half of what you wrote. Mm. Um, the part I agree with is definitely if you go back when I was young, before either of you were born, um, there was nothing better than how CBS in the old days when CBS had the NFC, how CBS would do. Um, kind of a teaser at the beginning of a sh- of every game about the matchup you were about to see. And they would talk about, if it was the 49ers, they would talk about Joe Montana has been in so many big moments. It's hard to remember them, but you know, he's going to always come through when it matters the most. He's unstoppable. And then the bears, the bears have a lineage that goes back to Dick Butkus in the old days. And now the, now they have this 46 defense that's annihilating everybody. And they did this incredible job when Washington was good. It was about the hogs and the offensive line and Riggins running through everybody. They set a narrative. They set the tone about, what you were about to see is important yes. and here's why. Huge. And I think we don't do, or the networks, TNT and ESPN, do not do a good job, as good a job of that now as saying, this is why this game that you're going to devote two and a half hours to matters. Yes. Because, of, because this team has this and this team has this. And, but, you know, and, and they, set, they set the tone for the game. They have to do a better job of that. I completely agree with you. But here's where I disagree. I am tired of people saying that it's the NBA's job to make these teams more interesting for people watching at home. Mm. It is the fans job to care about these teams <laughs> that they're watching. If you want, if you keep, t- you keep telling me I'm sick of LeBron. I hate LeBron. You guys are always sniffing LeBron's job. Blah, blah, blah. I hate Steph Curry and the splash brothers. <laughs> I'm tired of them. Blah, blah, blah. All right. Here it is. You have the chance of a lifetime. You wanted to see other teams. You wanted to see different markets. <laughs> have at it, big boys. You've got three weeks of it now. You've got conference semifinals, conference finals, NBA finals. You're, you vote with your eyeballs. Vote with your with your whatever, however you determine ratings. Vote with that. Show me that you want what you say you want, which is other teams besides the big stars. At the at the finals, that's what I would say. I they, think you, they didn't. You're they letting didn't want fans to get, off the hook. Here. They didn't want to get remarried. They just wanted to complain about their spouse. I think that's the <laughs> exactly. I, I, I think we need to like include a bit of like like history here, right? Like mm-hmm. 
the the NBA was unique in its marketing of stars. That's how the NBA became the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is this is bird magic, right? This yeah, is like Russell Wilt. Back, <laughs> Russell Wilt, even back to Russell Wilt. I was yeah. going like the modern started. Era, but yeah, you know, Russell Wilt for sure. Uh, but it's it's always been the stars yeah. in, in that sense, and then and Jordan was the ultimate of stars, right? right. Jordan was the was the money maker, and since then. You know, like Kobe and LeBron, you, you know, and Steph, you've gotten these kind of like all-encompassing stars that attract these casual fans. So I do think the shift that you're talking about is necessary. I just think it's difficult. I think yeah. I think what's being asked to do is like not like a quick little fix. It's a reimagining of how you per- portray the sport, and that's not simple. Like that's. That's difficult. One of the things you talked about, Ethan, was contrast, right? And, and automatically come to mind is Knicks Pacers, right? Like Knicks yeah. versus the Hicks, or even right, right, right. the Cowbell Kings and, right, and, right. and and the Showtime Lakers. So, and even in those contrasts, like it's always a big city involved, right? Yeah. But but it's a it's it's a dramatic paradigm shift, and I think what makes it harder. Is I think these networks take far too many cues from social media. Yes, like they're they're going they're they're that's what we're talking about Dude. on social media is the stars. It's like we're already in, buddy. Like yeah. if we're talking about this on Twitter. You got us, <laughs> right? Right. Not catering to us. There's a yeah. whole other market out there. A bunch Go of people. The casuals, like my man yeah. said, it's like they don't <laughs> like, understand. We're their in, own. buddy. Like we're, we're we're debating about LeBron and Steph and all this and that. Because we do this, yeah, we're committed, right? Yeah. Like that, yeah. that conversation is not as attractive to the people who aren't as familiar. Yeah, I think right. they're too caught up in social media. Yeah, they do not understand their own power. They're almost like the head of a table in the boardroom, and we're waiting for them to lead us, and we're all looking to them, and they're just listening to us and saying, "Well, what do you think?" They, I, you know, I talk to people sometimes. Uh, and they'll go on a TV show and they'll be shocked at the response and how, oh my God, my book is selling like crazy after I went on that TV show. The power of TV. It is powerful and you can set mm-hmm. a conversation. There's a lot of noise out there. People are watching all kinds of things and they've got Netflix and they've got YouTube and everything else. But a lot of people still watch television and that's why it's important, as you were saying, DA, to set the template, tell people mm-hmm. – Look, this is why you're paying attention. This is why this is a new thing. Have the momentous music. Have the trailer uh, presented as this epic fight for all there is. And people will respond to that and they will buy in. But if you don't allow people some kind of way to frame it, then it's just going to slip through the cracks and people won't really understand what their reason is for, for tuning in. So I do think for whatever reason, these networks, and I think, I more so criticize ESPN. Um, there's so much I like about Turner still, and I like a lot of the still. The familiarity is part of what I love about it, that mm-hmm. I watch inside and it just doesn't feel that much different from watching it uh, two decades ago. And I think that's a very special thing. Um, it's comforting. Yeah, right? it's, mm-hmm. very, it's very comforting. And they don't take themselves too seriously. But I, I just don't know why – neither network wants to spend a minute on a little bit of an intro uh to yeah. set the template i and think something know, like I, that could be powerful I, I, to to put on the cake for our profession i think some of this is like there, there it's the lack of journalists 
Like it was, well, it was yeah. <laughs> like who was telling the stories? Right, right. Yeah, it, I agree. It was Bob Costas, you know. It was right, Barb right, Albert. Right. What do you like about Inside? It's Ernie. Like, th- look, there's a, a art and a skill and an experience to storytelling that I'm sorry you just don't get when you throw an athlete on it. You just don't. Yeah. You don't get it. Like you can't just throw athletes on everything and expect to get the storytelling. That's great insight. It's a good perspective that we can't provide. But we did bring something to the table. Yeah. <laughs> some of that is the storyteller. Right. That's what we're talking one, about. Be well, able to for, tell the story. For one, I don't think most of them bring a great storytelling. They don't. They don't. To it. Oh, <laughs> you know, yes. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Brendan well, Haywood is like, is growing over. Well, know? it's like, like the Players like Tribune, the Players Tribune comes out and they've got these big ideas about how we hate the media. They, right. and I, I could see it if I was in their shoes i would hate us sure. as well we're sure. poking around their business we're telling skewed and we get stories. it wrong come on we get it wrong sometimes we get it a lot wrong i hate us too but the problem is and they've come out with a we thing or two they, 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 they've come <laughs> out with some stuff that's interesting but for the most part they don't know what's interesting about themselves because how could they? We don't right. really know often what is interesting about ourselves. And sometimes right. it's people being too reticent and being too humble and not telling you uh, the real interesting stuff. And sometimes it's the other way. And they're just blabbing because they think they're fascinating. And they're a narcissist. <laughs> but we are not the best judge of what is interesting to others. How could we be? And that's why you benefit from having other people around who can have their ears perk up and go, oh, that's interesting right there. I keep making the point because you see a lot of backlash to it and a lot of these press conferences. They're useless. They're stupid. I I hate them. Uh, Why do we even need them? Uh, And I feel that way a lot of times because it's boring to be in a press conference, but it's almost analogous to saying that. um, Why do they act like we asked for it? Like no, we took a it's vote. crazy. It was like it was a press conference. Like, it, like you know what I'm saying? Like, there you like, go. We'd Can rather we, be yeah. in the locker room with y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's well, the part I don't get. Like, you know it's like we signed up. Like, we were like, yo, no. we we vote for a press conference. Yeah, <laughs> we don't we don't love it either. We don't love it either. Right. But we don't love it any more than somebody loves uh, panning for gold or digging for gold. And it's almost like you're saying because hey, ninety percent of it is just rooting around the dirt. It's a useless exercise. Clay Thompson. So much of what people love about that guy and have found hilarious, you look at all those quotes that people reference, came out of press conferences that he never wanted to do. He never right. wanted them. He never would have done them unless it was compulsory. So, yeah, the media machine does have some benefits and there does need to be a, an interest in all sides in storytelling. But I think part of that is. It needs to be messaged better to the players that this is of benefit to everybody. And just because somebody on TV said something about you that you didn't like, it doesn't negate the whole process. It's a necessary right. process for the league to grow. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right. Let me be let me be clear to people that listen to this, all eight of you that listen to this podcast every week. I am all for whatever Naomi Naomi Osaka wants to do. What if she doesn't want to do? I'm fine. I don't care. It's fine. Good if that helps her. Good. Good for her. Um, I, I don't even think, like that she said it, yo. Like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Stand I up. am not in yep. any way saying she should be forced to sit there. What I am saying is that the absence of any interaction between media and athletes makes us theater critics. And that's what people in the theater hate. <laughs> they hate that. That's what people in Hollywood hate, is that when people people like us make judgments about why you do the things you do or say the things that you say, and we don't talk to you because we don't get a chance to talk to you and we have to kind of guess this is what happens. And back in the 20s and 30s, when when sports reporters just sat in the press box and there was no access, there was no locker room access, what it, what happened? People got angry with the media because you said things, and that's not true. Where did you get that from? Well, I had to guess because I because I never talked to you, Babe Ruth. You know what I mean? Like so. So what do you want? Tell me what you want. You want uh, us I mean, to be there they, and they, ask questions or not? At, not nah, be they want at, us there. They, they want us there, want but us there. but to to only say good things. Uh, I, right. I think, not, and not, then. Well, and then there's a top. There's this is like one percent of the conversation about media. By the way, yeah. I think people mm-hmm. miss it, right? And let's not even like Naomi Osaka is a huge star, and the pressures of that and it's, are it's very way, rare. Tennis is way and different was, than everything. Very else. rare. Yes, but but there was a path to where Naomi Osaka was, and people on that path they love the media. Right. <laughs> there, there's a part of your career. I don't care how big you are. There's a part of your career. It's a great love point. That's a great right. point. At some point, you like you want the coverage, and you're putting the magazine articles on your wall, and you're hoping. I covered high school sports. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to walk in. And it's like you're with the media, and everybody's excited. Oh, there's a yes, part of, of this game. Of course, there's a part of the game. We're part of the ecosystem of sports, whether people like it or not. Yeah, they want their stories told. They want their their, their image put out there and they want it from people who are not them because there is a level of, of credibility that comes when it's somebody else instead of you talking about how great you are, right? Steph right. Curry's never going to get on a mic and say, I'm the best dude. He's <laughs> he never going to do that, right? But he, right. he wants somebody else to say it, right? Like, sure. so they, they want to act like we're this part of this whole system that they didn't like, but all of them, every one of them, loved us at one point <laughs> when we were writing about yo this dude is next right like, so I get it you get to the top and we irritate I understand that that's all right. part of the game but listen there's somebody behind them who's like yo that's I right. would like that that's coverage right. and I, I get it if you're job. at her level or you're at LeBron's yeah, you, level that's a whole I get it you don't level. need us absolutely. I get it yep, yeah absolutely. I get it you 
you can tell your own story through no your question. own media company. You I get should. it. Like, you should. Yeah. But, but, but the problem. I, there's a dude at the back of the bitch. Right. <laughs> right. Mike James. <laughs> the new Mike James. <laughs> I want to write about the new Mike James. Well, but, but, but part of the problem is that you'll see these stars who aspire to that status and they'll take their lead from those absolute superstars who don't need it. And they'll think they're them, but they're not yeah. them. And the league doesn't benefit from a bunch of people thinking they're them. I remember watching Anthony Davis on the shop talking with LeBron. And he was talking about how LeBron had gotten to see himself as his own business, his own corporation. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that. I was thinking, yeah, that's true of LeBron. I don't know if that's necessarily true of Anthony Davis. And right. beyond that, I don't know if the league wants like 20 or 30 guys thinking like that because it's right. not sustainable. There's one LeBron James and he can go anywhere and any, and everybody will be interested in wherever he is, but that's not true for everybody else. And so sure. it's, it's a tricky, it is a tricky situation. It's only going to get trickier. I think as we see more people in Naomi Osaka's age cohort who are Gen Z and have grown up completely marinated in the social media environment that I don't think is good for your mental health if you're a standard college student, let alone somebody whose fame is scaled up to an insane degree. So I think we're going to see more of this going forward. It's going to be very difficult for the relationships to get managed. But here's a question for you, Ethan. What's the media role in improving these ratings? Ooh, are we on the take? Well, we're we're not working for a broadcaster, so theoretically we're absolved. You know, it's good. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. I think we benefit if the NBA does better, but I don't think we specifically have such a role. Maybe you would put that more on ESPN, more on Turner Bleacher Report. Um, I think the goal is to find interesting stories. I think the goal is to tell you why something you didn't know about is of interest. I remember with Michael Lewis, somebody asked him, how do you always just hit on the hot thing? You know, the thing everyone's going to be talking about. And he said, look, these stories I tell, they weren't obviously interesting. I was just interested in it. And then it created its own momentum. Nobody was saying, hey, you know what the next hot thing is? It's the Oakland A's and analytics. That's going to be huge. That's going to be the same Michael Lewis, by the way, who looked at us and said, man, you guys are, what you guys do is great. Yeah. And I remember Marcus and I, that was at a Warriors practice. And Marcus and I looked at each other and thought, man, I think Michael Lewis's job is a little better than our job. Uh, Right, right, right. right, (laughs) Just like, just just a little bit. But I think Mm. it's really the game of it is to find, find interesting stuff, find stuff that's going to connect find ways to frame what happened. Um, And sometimes it's to reduce it down. It's really impressive what some people can do in understanding the strategic back and forth between two teams um, and statistically as well. But ultimately, you're going to have to take your advanced understanding and repackage it in a way that is broadly understandable, often in metaphor. Casual viewers, right? I mean, all due respect, casual viewers don't care about true shooting percentage. I'm sorry. They don't. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like back in the the Bulls day, you couldn't take your eyes off Michael Jordan. I don't know know what else to tell you. You just couldn't take your eyes off the guy, you know? So, but you could, um, but you could tell a story about what Brooklyn did to wall off Giannis 
and yeah. why he failed. You know, you right. can tell that is a or story what that is up against. Like, right. yes. feel but like you could attacked. also you could also tell a story about Giannis Adentacumpo being, you know, sweet generous uh, in terms of. This is the first. Well, I shouldn't say the first. He's not the first. Because others have come, Matumbo and some other guys. But this is a, a guy, an African descent player who grew up in Greece, <laughs> who, who worked and who was on the streets, basically, comes to the United States and becomes the best player in the league. I mean, can you not tell that story again? <laughs> like, that's a really good story. Like, that's a great story. Like, that's worth telling over and over again. I mean, it's like... It's like the or, everybody everybody gravitates to Marvel origin stories, right? Like you love those things, right? So um to me it's like that's part of our job is like there will be people watching Brooklyn for the or Milwaukee for the first time have no idea where this guy's from. I don't think you can ever tell his story enough. It's a good story. Like it's a great story, actually. I think about perseverance and family and all of those things. I've got some pushback on that. I think that's a, an awesome story, and it's something that I would love to read in a Mirror and Fader book about Giannis. But I do think that Nike screwed. She, she, she's nice writing. Plug. She's writing a book. She's coming. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do think that Nike screwed up the marketing of Giannis, and he's an interesting one to to isolate on because he's the back to back MVP and. Right. Last season in the bubble, they put a few of his playoff games at 11 a.m. on the West Coast on a weekday. And that was a concession that this is not working. People are not tuning in for this guy in the United States, even on the level that they would tune in for Zion Williamson, who we haven't even really seen in the playoffs. And so something got hyped all to the. So the ends of the earth when he was at Duke. I mean, there's a reason. I, I I agree. That's just one comparison point. I would say that the Nike campaign that was built around the story you're talking about, which is a great story, is not necessarily what is resonant to casual fans tuning in to watch him. They're tuning in to watch him because he does things that nobody else can do, and they want to think that he's likable and cool and charming. And the ad campaign was heavy. I know a guy who was involved in the ad campaign. He thought they were making a mistake with it. He thought that the overeducated people uh, who were working on the campaign found it to be so important that he had made this journey, and they were placing the importance, or they were so focused on doing what was important that they forgot about what was resonant and what was effective. I think that they mm-hmm. should have more so marketed him. And this is different from maybe what the media should do and the media should talk about. But I'm talking about Nike, which also has a role to play here. They should have marketed the hell out of how this guy does things nobody else can do and is just charismatic and entertaining as hell. And some of the ads that you've seen for these kind of random products uh, in other countries, you can see that side of Giannis. It seems like they should have they should have told that story on that level. And maybe on our level, we tell that story that you're talking about right there. But it's 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 just a tricky thing of how to how to make a guy really break through uh, and resonate to tens of millions of people. It's not easy, and it's easier to Monday morning quarterback it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm fascinated. I'm going to be fascinated to see if it's not – look, if it's Brooklyn Clippers or Philly Clippers, they'll be fine. The ratings will be fine, and they'll, they'll, they'll be maybe a little off from norms, but they won't, they won't plummet. But 
If it's Milwaukee, <laughs> if it's Milwaukee, Utah, I mean, you have to have an answer because that's not going to generate high ratings. Um, mm. And it has nothing to do with the quality of the players or the teams yeah. or anything like that. Well, it's just that they're not they, household they, names yet. They've got to build the next generation. And that's what we're talking I, about. I, this. I wonder how, like, maybe we don't even see the fruits of this year. Right. Yeah. Until yeah. later. You these know, are right. seeds. Like, maybe right. these are you have, seeds. You're, right. you're, 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 you're building a tree. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. we yeah. might yeah. see we're, we're, maybe Trey Young becomes a thing now. Yeah. And, and, and mm-hmm. becomes I, a I just now talked to somebody with the Hawks and they texted me, a star is born. And yeah. I think that's what it feels like with Trey Young to what Marcus is saying. I like the way yeah, Marcus because, is thinking about it. Like, yeah. yeah, this could be a bad number. But it's really about the long term and it's how are they going to cultivate it? How are they going to water it? How are they going to properly care for these growing seeds right now for what's going to be in the future? Because Steph and LeBron aren't going to be around forever. The entire league right. can't depend on what they do. So right. that's really what our conversation is about is how is the league going to properly tell these stories and frame what these guys do? And it's difficult. I mean, sometimes you'll see great players, and if there's no story attached to it of this is why you should watch, this is what differentiates it. You know, mm-hmm. LeBron had a story. He was out of Akron, and he was in Northeast Ohio, and he was the hometown kid. And that was part of the LeBron story in addition to his greatness that drove a lot of interest before him jilting that area drove a lot of interest before him <laughs> right. returning to that area. Like 15 years old. <laughs> yeah. <right>? Returning <laughs> to that area drove a lot of interest. You know, you, you gotta you gotta really attach a story to John ja Morant. Is John ja Morant is incredible. He, he looks yeah. like Derrick Rose 2.0, but it's not like the people giving you the games are really telling you, "Hey, this is why you should watch this guy. This is this guy's story." And so that's what's necessary. They got to start doing that with this next generation. Right. Right. All right. Well, we we'll be we'll get out on that because you know I know ratings is not what everybody cares about, but I think it's fascinating because this is such a unique situation. You're going to have someone win a championship who hasn't won one since at least 1983, yeah. <laughs> and that's just that's unbelievable I, to I, me. I'll do a quick little pushback on that too, and maybe it'll sound a little arrogant, but I, I see sometimes in NBA Twitter they'll mount the. The, the argument that nobody cares about ratings, blah, 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 blah. And I sometimes think to myself, somebody, somebody tell my readership numbers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, right. tell me no. I mean, people, yeah. I, th- I think you're right. I think people do care. Um, but it's, I think it's how, I think explaining that a five or a three in yeah. this context is not the worst number in the world or a five or a three is really bad. And here's why. That's what we need to make sure Ironically, we focus on. Ironically, it, it's like the same thing, right? Where it's it's your job. You have to contextualize it. Just like contextualizing the stars that drive yeah. the ratings, you have to contextualize what the numbers mean because otherwise it's just a sea of – you know, a sea of data well, and, and easily spun and oh, easily yeah. interpreted by whoever wants to interpret them for whatever reason they want to interpret them. Right. Oh so, yeah. And it's going to be more know. so now because the, the website that chronicles the ratings show buzz is just down forever. So now it's just going to be a big, you know, you're going to see the broadcasters strategically leak things and hide other things. So right, it's right. all going to be a big PR battle. So, you know, we have that to look forward to. <laughs> Sounds riveting, sir. Yeah, riveting. Well, our man will Me be personally. Honest. I'm going with the small town ratings people. I don't want the big city <laughs> ratings people. I'm with the the hicks of the ratings people. You want Utah and, and Milwaukee and uh, I, I'm, I'm with them. Give me the. <laughs> 
Give me the Jazz. I like it. Well, I already I already picked the Suns to go to the finals. So Phoenix oh. and uh, <laughs> and uh, Brooklyn. There you go, Phoenix. I don't what know how Brooklyn's that I want. A small. You know, it would be a fun one that would be bad ratings, but wouldn't Suns Hawks be kind of a fun finals? It'd be a great finals. It'd be fun as hell. <laughs> It'd be fun. Yeah, Every game would be one fifty to one forty eight. <laughs> it would be awesome. It'd be great. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, would be great. Be fast. This is going to be fascinating. So you'll be on it, Ethan Strauss, our man. Thank you as always for joining us, sir. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. you taking the time, and appreciate y'all listening on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you are listening to this fine, fine broadcast. And as always, leave that five star review. And if it's less than five stars, damn man, keep it to yourself. Later.